All right, Mark England, how in the hell did you get into working with words and language in the first place? It started when, when someone, I've been asked before, same question. Uh, sometimes I tell the story of the first time I ever saw someone change one word and turn a story of a, a victim-centric nature on its head, which I'm happy to share. And then, and, and also sometimes I start with when I began teaching elementary school PE in, uh, in, in, in Bangkok, Thailand. And that's when I really started paying close attention to how I was saying what I was saying. Because when you have 25 nuclear level excited second graders that you have to take from point A at a certain point in time, you get these kids and they know they're going swimming, right? And you have to get them across campus, dressed out in the pool, swim the lesson. Everybody survives free swim. Get them back out. Everybody gets dressed. Everybody's got their stuff and back over to that same point at a point that you've got to become economical. You got to get good with your words. You can't waste them. Okay. So that's, that's when I first started thinking about my thinking. If we want to get all Alan Watts about it. It's my favorite Alan Watts quote. When we learn to think about our thinking, we become alive in a new way. And most people are not thinking about their thinking. They're just thinking. They are their thinking. Yeah. And then they're just, <laughs> they're just going with the first thing that shows up in their head. Yeah. Okay, let's go with it. What could possibly go wrong? Quite a lot, actually. And then in the converse of that, what, what could go right or better or smoother? When, when we learn to pay attention to, to what we think, what we say, and what we write. And so uh, the, the business that we're in is we help people learn about the power of their words because people's language, and when I say language, I'm talking about our internal dialogue and our external dialogue, what we think, what we say, what we write. People's language powerfully influences them for better and for worse. Most people don't have any education, practical education, about how to use their language well. Did, did you have any courses in, in high school, Luke, about like English, 11th grade English, about how to... The courses were if you use the words that you use often, you're going to be kicked out of the class. <laughs> right. And, and then the go... verboten yes. words, you know. The, yeah. I learned that pretty quickly after a few trips to the principal's office. And, and, and now give us a, a book report on 17th century Spanish galleons. It's like, I'm really interested about that at 16 years old. And then, you know, you got to write the paper a certain way and you get graded. There's a whole other conversation, ladies and gentlemen, about our language than regular grammar, uh, um, definitions, and, and spelling. Okay? And, and then I saw a woman, um, she, she went from he did that to me, to he did that to himself. She was telling a story. It was an emotional detoxification workshop that I went to in 2003 in Thailand. Very short story. I moved over there because I thought I was a tough guy. I moved to Thailand in 2002 and, and thought I was going to be over there for a, a year, Luke. I ended up being over there for 10, which still sounds strange to say, but that's, yeah. Um, and I had my second knee surgery and my fight 
career stopped and I turned, I like saying this, I turned myself into a grown ass man, baby. It's a very, it's a technical term. And, um, and after about a year of, uh, not laughing, I, did, I don't, I really don't remember laughing that year at all. Really, really taking that, uh, I had three going away parties. It was a really big deal. I had my passport for two years. I was just some dude from Virginia. And I'm moving over to Thailand for a year. People thought it was Taiwan. They didn't know where it was. And, um, and, and so I go over there and fall on my face. And now I've got the proof. I've got the final piece of evidence in a case that I was secretly making, which is part of the reason I was fighting so much, mostly with myself in my head. That's what was fueling my fight career was a victim story, a victim mentality. I, I didn't, I, I just thought that's the way I am. We'll run a language game on it later if you want. And um, so this event that happens, you know, me and knee surgeries and the whole thing stops. And, and, and now I've got the proof that I've, there's something wrong with me, man. There's something wrong with me. I'm somehow doomed to fail. I'm a born loser. All the things that I was secretly afraid of in my head. Now it's a case closed. Darkness descends entrench a victim mentality, light it on fire. Um, and, and, and after a year of that, it was, it was the first time I ever remember experiencing wisdom in my life when after a year of being miserable, I go, dude, are you going to keep, are you going to be complaining about this when you're 55 years old? And, and I was like, you could. That was the wise part. It's like that I could. I could actually do that if I let myself. And I saw that version of me and I was like, I'll do it. I'll take anything but that. So I was teaching at elementary school PE then right around that same time, our vice principal had come back from this fasting and detox resort uh, uh, down in Koh Samui. It's an island in the Gulf of Thailand. He goes, they're doing some really cool stuff down there, man. I just did a three-day liver cleanse and I feel fantastic. You look better. Like, he was, he was all shiny and stuff and happy and you know, um, energized. And he goes, read this book. And it was the, 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 the Tao of Health, Sex, and Longevity by Daniel Reed. And, and, and Enlightened Poop helped me get down there. Can, it's okay if we talk about poops? Yeah, yeah, I talk about poops all the time. Yeah, and Enlightened Doo-Doo changed my life. It was the thing that got me to go down there to this, to this resort, which... Um, I kept going down there because it was, it was helping. And then one fateful night, I went to an emotional detoxification workshop and saw this guy turn a story on his head. And I was like, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And I got a, he did that to me story. You know, we were warming up. He shouldn't have been kicking that hard. And um, we'll get to that. So I go thumb through this book and it's all about Taoism, acupuncture, meditation, uh, diet, um, exercise sexual practices, um, uh, uh, how, they, how, they, how they see themselves as part of nature. Really cool stuff. And oh, oh, and by the way, the thing that got me was on the first page, it talked about how uh, a TCM doctor back in the day, they would, they would stop getting paid when their clients got sick. And I thought to myself, well, if that isn't the most opposite thing I've ever heard in my entire life, they stopped getting paid when their clients got sick. So let's say that another way. They only get paid when their clients are well and healthy. Where's their incentive? Okay, Ray Charles could see that. And I was like, okay, I just kept reading. And I got to, uh, um, they uh, talking about 
pooping and it showed sitting on a toilet. Okay. And what that does, and then it showed somebody squatting down. What that does. We just sold some squatty potties. Squatty potties. <laughs> the, the great commercial, by the way. They really just, they knocked it out of the park with the commercials. Um, yeah, get squatty potties, folks. They're, they're real. And, and so I was, I was at the pool with the middle school teacher, Paul Marks, and we had the middle school kids and, the, the, and everybody was doing free swimming. I was like, I gotta go to the bathroom, dude. You got this? So I go in there, I squat down on the toilet and I, at 27 years old, I took the best poop of my adult life by an order of magnitude. I stood up and the colors were brighter and I, I, I was breathing better. And I was like, they're telling the truth. These people are telling the truth. I was like, I'm going down there. And then my third trip down, this, again, emotional detox workshop. And this guy had, uh, um, he talked about words. He talked about breath. He talked about story. Asked, and he asked, is anybody stuck on a story? A couple people raised their hand, but this one girl shot her hand up. And she told the story of a very bad <laughs> and embarrassing breakup. Humiliating, really. And the sentence spell, the spell the definition of a spell, Webster's not mine, is a word or a combination of words of great influence. It goes both ways. It can be expansive spells or constrictive spells. And the sentence, the spell that held that whole thing together was he did that to me. And he had to repeat it a couple of times. This guy knew what he was doing. So one, she's looking at, and that's a very important part in, 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 in the enlifted perspective about how to help somebody change their mindset, okay, which is, our, we have a definition of mindset. It's the story that you tell yourself. That's what it is, okay? And in order to help someone change their mindset, how fast the story goes is very important. Great rule of thumb. The faster the story goes, the harder it is to change. So we're going to we'll talk about the mechanics of storytelling a lot. The faster the story goes, the harder it is to change. And the fastest way to slow down a story is to write it down. Get the words on paper. Get the scary words on paper, folks. You can pick up that 600-pound pen. Okay, get the words out of your head. And yes, fine, there might be a little sting involved. It'll be way easier than bumping up into that stuff for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And this woman had been. Four years later, after it happened, she hadn't gotten in, in, in any new relationship because this story was front and center and it dominated her mental real estate and was forcing her to look at all men in a very negative light. And, and, then, and then he just, he judo chopped that one sentence. He did that to me. He said, take that last word out. Take out me and put in himself. And it was such a radical departure from that story that she had been relentlessly telling herself. It was clunky in the delivery because she got it out of her mouth. And then it went up at the end. It's called up talk. He, he, he did that to himself, and then you see it catch, and the breath came out. <sighs> he did. He did do that to himself. And then she talked about how he lost friends and all this other stuff, and it was actually worse for him. And then she finally goes, it was never going to work anyway. That guy was actually really weird. And she walked out of there with a different story, and I was like, that right there. I've, I've fallen in love. Take, you know, take some beautiful women out of the conversation from, you know, from time to time, but the two things other than that I've fallen in love with on site, it might sound strange, was the first time I ever got choked in a jujitsu class. I was a wrestler <laughs> in high school. I pin you, you pin me, very cool, okay? The first time somebody choked me, though, I was like, that is terrifying and 
awesome and I have to learn it. And I got obsessed. And you know, I, I competed and all that stuff, whatever. And then the second time was when I saw that. And it's held my attention since. 2007, January 17th, I put my, uh, I went down to that spa a lot. So 10 years in Thailand, first five was in Bangkok teaching. And the second five was down at that spa working as a counselor. So January 17th, 2007, I put my poster up next to all the other practitioners. And that was my first day on the job, right in the middle of busy season. I got booked immediately and I've been full-time since. And the main reason is because I, I, I just, I wake up and I'm still fascinated. I wake up, I, it's still attractive. It's like, and that's a gift. I can't, it's not something that you can will, you know, it's, um, here we are. I'm gonna do 50 years, Luke. I'm gonna do 50 years. You're day. very fortunate to have found your Dharma early on. You know, many people don't have the, I don't know, the good fortune, I guess, to find a way to create a career out of their passion and expertise. I, f I feel very fortunate myself in that way. I do a few different things, but generally, it involves communication. <laughs> it, you, thousand Talking percent. to people like you. Like we were saying downstairs, just when I think like, oh man, I don't know if I can do another one of these podcasts. I interview someone and I'm like, oh man, there's so much more to learn. I got to keep going. You know, just the accumulation of knowledge and wisdom and then refining that, curating that and sharing it with the world is super fun. It's, it's, it is. It very yeah. much is. And, um, and I didn't know that I didn't know what it was going to turn into when I first saw it. Um, so I was on, I was mentioning before a lot of our, our coaches come from the fitness industry, about 60, 65%. Again, I've been doing this 16 years. Um, we went on Barbell Shrugged, which was at the time in 2017, it was the mouthpiece for functional fitness. And we went on that show. And when that dropped, everything changed for us. And it will be forever changed. Shout out to Mike Bledsoe and those guys for, for having us on. And 10 years prior to that, um, uh, I was doing a lot of work in yoga circles. Okay. People would bring me in for TTCs to, to do uh, language and story training. Because it's very easy. Once the, once the scary words are out of your head and on paper, um, and you know, you adjust the rate of speech and get some, get some breath in there in between the sentences, the breath will unlock and, um, yogis like that. And, and then also I just, I kept running into the same sentence. Okay. That was really stressing a, a lot of these people out is I, I need to find my purpose. I need to find my purpose. I, I would have people in tears using those words. So spell a combination of words, which is a sentence that was greatly influencing the pictures that they were making, the feelings they were creating, how they were breathing, stress, uh, upregulation central. And I was like, I got to keep thinking about this. And I did. So there's a, there's a, because I only committed to this whole language thing after 10 years in the game full time. And I'll tell you, there's two, two things that happened that, that, well, three, um, we'll get to those if, if, if you want to, but the, here, here's a better formula than I need to find my passion. Cause once again, when I saw this thing, even when I started coaching, I was like, this is just something I'm very, I'm, I'm very interested in it. I had no idea it was going to turn into what it has and what it's going to. 
And, and so here's a, here's a better formula than I need to find my purpose. Explore your interests. Develop your passions and commit to your purposes. And you'll know those, you'll know what they are. So if you're interested in something, jujitsu, that's cool. And you get in there and, and it holds your attention for you know, two, three years, file that under passion and keep going and keep going. And if it's, if it's, you got 10 years in the game and you're still passionate about it, file that under purpose. One of them. And, and then again, purpose. Like you only get one. And you're going to know it immediately when you see it for the first time. That's usually not how it works. I mean, did your, did your enthusiasm and, 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 and passion for podcasting grow with your, the skill? Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So it's, it's... And it's also, you know, purpose is sometimes a stepping stone or a, you know, a seed that's planted and then fertilized by your continued exploration of that to the point where all of a sudden other things start blooming and you diversify because you find that it leads to something else that was seemingly unrelated. And then now you have a, a bunch of buckets in your purpose wheel, right? That, that, are, that are relative. Yeah. You brought something to mind when you talked about... Um, spelling and casting a spell uh, it made me think of uh jordan or not jordan peterson um jordan maxwell mm-hmm. you familiar with him very familiar with him and he, i saw him oh really i met him at an awaken aware conference oh cool bill ryan uh david wilcock jordan maxwell and richard dolan they were oh, all wow. they were all the keynotes of wow. 2013 great, great conference yeah 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 he would talk about um you know television tell a vision television programming programming and then all of the common law stuff, like, you, you know, when you're born into maritime you're, you're law, birthed. it's a birth. Yeah, like birth the certificate. Birth a, yeah, all that stuff. The vaginal canals. Yeah. The, the, the banks, bank of a river flowing yeah. the currency. That was the first dude that, when I came across, yeah, I got into him about 2004, five. Yeah. Uh, same, I got in, same time, got into to Ike and our man, Alex yeah. Jones. Him breaking down symbolism and sigils in the way that he did i was like what is this place we're in what is this world because it's not what i thought it was let's take a moment to explore one of the coolest innovations i've come across in my endless search for ways to improve our quality of life and vitality it's a quantum energy streaming service called quantum upgrade through years of research and innovation they've created one of the world's most accessible forms of quantum energy And when you subscribe to their service, Quantum Upgrade transmits this energy into your home, car, or even onto your phone. Let's face it, many of us are stuck in patterns we repeat daily. We get up, we get dressed, we go to work. And this routine takes a lot of energy and at times leaves little room for personal growth. Well, it's widely known that quantum energy supports change and transformation. Your life can change dramatically when you access the quantum energy surrounding us. I personally love this service and often use its boosting feature at specific times when I need extra support with my mood and energy. Now as far out as the realm of quantum energy is, rest assured that Quantum Upgrade has been tested and studied by independent institutes, doctors, and labs with phenomenal results in placebo-controlled double-blind studies, which can be easily viewed right on their website. So do yourself a favor and try this service out for free for 15 days. Just hop over to quantumupgrade.io and enter the code LUKE15 to activate your free trial. 
Again, that's quantumupgrade.io. wild it's wild yeah it's it's really interesting yeah i, I love that stuff I guess he was a big dude he's since passed yeah he was he was tall man david wilcox tall too really yeah oh wow yeah taller than i was expecting one of my friends married him oh cool yeah yeah i love listening to uh to maxwell it just expands your awareness about the world i mean it can either terrify you because you realize we're all under a spell but yeah you know it's like the it's like the the stages of grieving right when you first learn you're like oh man we're screwed and then you know as you carry on through with it hopefully at the end of that you become more empowered with that information uh, but that that stuff is very interesting to me um also i interviewed uh, a Dogon priest from West Africa the other day, okay. and or the other oh, day, a few okay. few weeks ago. It's already been published, and uh, he was explaining to me how, to his people, the English language is like a total um, hip, hypnotic scam that's been perpetuated on humankind. And he would give me examples of words that they have in their language for which there are hundreds of iterations. Something like love, we just have, it's one word. Love, oh yeah, I know what that is. In, in his Dogon language, there's countless ways to express that. Flavors, Baskin Robbins, yeah. and then And then there are other, you know, just speaking of the energy or the consciousness behind words, and then there are other concepts for which there are no words because they don't believe they have any basis in truth or reality. Kind of like Native Americans, from what they say, I haven't, I haven't fact-checked this, but they didn't have a word for ownership, right? Like you own that piece of land was foreign to them. No one owns it. It's, it's all God or whatever their perspective was, right? Or is. And um, there were many things like that in that conversation. I was just like, sort of like the, um, the, the thing with Western music, how at some point in history they changed the hurts. The Hertz, they changed the tuning to 440. And prior to that, like a more um, kind of harmonious or natural frequency is 432 or whatever it is. And it's kind of like this big scam that's been pulled on us and we don't know. And the calendar, right? The calendar doesn't, the 24-hour calendar, the monthly calendar, the yearly calendars don't match what's happening in the cosmos. There's this mismatch. So it's really interesting, but there's a bunch of things that he pointed out like that that were like, yeah, you guys have been duped. <laughs> like, so, Majorly. You know, Majorly. The way that we're taught to orient, orient ourselves to our environment, time, language, music, all these things have been altered um, to something that's basically unnatural. You know, But his perspective on language was really interesting. He said all the Latin languages are all limiting uh, in that way because of the frequency of the words and the narrow bandwidth of meaning attributed to words and the fact that there are words for things that don't actually resist exist in reality. It was really interesting. Yeah, this dude tripped me out. And then and then and then you start thinking, you know, uh, I can only use language to describe language. You know, like I can only use English to talk about English, me myself personally. Um because it's the only language I speak. And um, it's the guy that turned me on to Jordan Maxwell. He was an Ayurvedic doctor in Thailand. Uh, and he, he only told me this once. And I was like, I'm not going to ask any questions about that because I'm going to stare at this. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to consider it. I'm going to contemplate it because there's three levels of thinking. There's thinking. It's when you do it once. 
There's considering when you do it a few times. And there's contemplating when you stare at something until it cracks. You get the secrets. And he goes, the English language is a slave language. And I was like, well, that's a very interesting thing to say. And I'm going to contemplate that. I'm going to contemplate that. And um, brings up the, 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 the Taoist saying of without rope, people bind themselves. So, you know, how did we get to where we are with the, the English language? Did a group of people get, you know, in a, in a back room somewhere and, you know, get, you know, have Marina Abramovich's great, 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 great grandmother on the witch line do some spells and they're, they write down the, the, how the English language is going to be and they're like, just let it loose and it, don't know. Okay. What I do know is that the way that English language is used almost exclusively today, it is vague, is externalized. It's vague and it's inflammatory based on first and foremost, people's breathing. So we're known as the language people. That's cool. It's great to be known for anything. We might as well be known as the language and the breathing people because we talk about it so much. And I love words. I find them fascinating, like we've discussed. And push comes to shove. It's about the breath. I want to help people use their words to become more reflective, okay, contemplative, solid in their speech, aware of their language, okay, more creative and constructive and in control of their words. And when that happens, the breath unlocks. We come out of these upregulated stress states and the breath descends and um, great things happen including in relationships. I mean, how big of how 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 big of a part of relationships is listening? It's a big one. It's a really big one. We have a saying in the enlifted coaches community, good breathing equals good coaching because good breathing equals good listening. And good listening equals good coaching. So good breathing equals good coaching. Okay? And and um yeah, most people's language is working against them, Luke. It is. It is. And, and it's fun to, to help people. Let's, let's dive into yeah. some specific words. Sure. Uh, I, I have been for a few years, and I don't know, I guess I just picked up bits of information maybe from people like you that really look at the power of, of language and words. But I have um, developed a discipline where I do my best to avoid saying things in certain ways. For example, I don't like using the word try. Because I think if, if I'm trying to do something, I am by it, the very nature of that word not doing the thing that I want to do, right? Um, then there are statements. And when I hear someone use this one, I have to really hold my tongue and it's something you hear people say a lot, oh, this thing is killing me. You mentioned your knee injury. Some be like, oh, what, you go, what's wrong? Oh, I hit my knee today. It's killing me. I'm like, oh, I just cringe when I hear someone give power to the idea that you're being killed. Yeah, killer workout. So we'll talk I'll, about this in a second. Yeah. I'll catch myself saying things like that, or I'll just roll out some examples and you can unpack whatever you want to unpack. Uh, I have a cold. I've got the flu. I think I'm getting sick. It's like verbalizing things that one seeks to avoid or doesn't desire 
to me, logically seems like you're going to imbue those realities with energy and you give them energy and energy is what brings the unmanifest into the manifest. So I've been over time extracting certain word patterns from my vocabulary just for the sake of my own benefit and just sensing that certain words make me feel weaker and others make me feel stronger. A thousand percent. So what do you have to unpack about some of those words or other ones in a similar category that are, I guess, disempowering to be a good word for them? Sure. You want to play the most popular language game in the in, in lifted coaches community? Let's do it. Okay. We got about 400 coaches. We polled them. Hey, we, and we got, I don't know how many language games we got. Maybe 50. And, and, and almost everybody said, the should detox. The should detox detox. You know, by the way, I don't know, I don't know what the ultimate hack is, like the biohacking. In my personal and professional opinion, getting our language working for us and unlocking our breath and coming out of these stress states, that's the most basic. Or it's one of the most basic. It's as basic as water. It's as basic as sunlight. And and um, I'm a big fan of supplements and 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 like we're talking about energy tools and all those things. Call me old-fashioned, everybody. I think all that stuff is going to do a lot. It's going to have a lot better, a lot easier time doing what it's designed to do when people are breathing low and slow. Okay? So, it, um, yeah. So, the should detox. So, if uh, not if you're driving. Okay? I'm looking at the camera. Uh, uh, if you've got a pen and paper, you can follow along because this is super easy. And, um, and then also, you know, we'll get the numbers uh, out there. 30, 50, 80. 30, 50, 80. We remember 30% of what we hear, 50% of what we write, and 80% of what we teach, share, or explain. So if anybody listening to this likes this language game, okay, it's fun, it's simple, it works, uh, share it with somebody. See what happens. It's called a should detox. Um, uh, pick, a, pick a sentence. And you're very, I'm sure, I'm sure you're aware of the word should and how it, you know, all these things. And we'll just for you know, shits and giggles, um, uh, uh, pick a should statement. And, and if you can write it down, uh, uh, is that a, can is I, a, can I do iPad? one? Yeah, of course. What should, uh, I the should. The government of the world should stop murdering people. Perfect. When you say we're going with it, <laughs> very own brand. When you say the governments of the world should stop murdering people, what kind of energy does that create? All we're going to look at is energy. We could look at we could look at mental imagery. We're just looking at energy. What kind of feeling does that create? Anger. Perfect. Tens high, ones low. What number is it? Six. And where is it in your body? My chest. Perfect. Those right there, everybody. Those are very, very good questions. If you work with someone in a story capacity and, and you want to know what their emotional status is, those are fantastic questions. What are you feeling? Where are you feeling? It tends high, one's low. Okay, so, so now I know more about how that spell, that sentence, combination of words influences you. And then also, to some degree, because most people, again, they're not thinking about their thinking. They just get consumed with the, the result of it. It puts them in, a, in an observation mode. They're like, oh, they have to observe themselves a little bit, which is good. Oh, what am I feeling? Hmm. Where am I feeling that? Tens high, ones low. Okay, cool. So the the government should stop murdering people. 
Take out should and put in could. The government could stop murdering people. Is there any difference between the should and the could? Yeah. What's again? We're just going to yeah. keep it super simple. I'm Doctor Simple over here. Yeah. What is there any? There's a difference in the energy. Yeah. 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 Because I I think there's a. It opens up a possibility that isn't there. It's more open ended too, right? Because if the government should stop murdering people, then it's very black and white. It's either they're doing it or they're not. Could means maybe they could do less of it. <laughs> Maybe they're not doing as it's, much of it as it appears they are, and so on. It, it becomes a bit more broad. Yeah, yeah. Um, not not so limited. And this, um, for the audience, write down a should statement. And maybe it's, I should use my red light more. Okay? And, and, and then, you know, take out the should, scratch out the should, and put in could, say it again. And so what we're doing, one of the, the um, many benefits of playing language games is that we slow down the story so we can take a look and pop the hood and take a look at what words are doing what like oh yeah take that one word out and it does change this most people's stories are going way too fast dude um and then and then it also uh gives people a feeling like uh, when someone feels the difference between this sentence with those words in them and this sentence with just a one word difference they're like they can feel the difference then people get the game Okay, and it's also games. Let's play some language games. Okay, people have fun. They, 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 we've we've done a good job of simplifying the conversation about mindset, starting with a, the definition of it. You can ask the Google machine, "What's the definition of mindset?" And you're getting 17 definitions on the first page alone, and a lot of them are big picture, philosophical, clunky stuff that takes a long time to explain. Good luck implementing that in the heat of the moment when something happens, because it will. And then we've also gamified it. We've made it fun for people to, you know, our, our parents told us, don't play with your food. We're telling you, play with your words. Okay? That was fun with these things. So should to could. The government should stop murdering people. Could. Could. The government could stop murdering people. Take out could, put in can. The government can stop murdering people. I doubt, <laughs> based on their track record, but that feels even better. We'll, we'll get to, we'll get to the government here feels, in a second. We'll talk even about better. the the legend Luke story in the chair. The it, it changes some some energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And let's just pretend that somebody you know was like, I should use my red light more. They go to I could use my red light more. Now they go, I can't, huh? And a lot of times you'll hear that, hmm, I can use my red light more because there, there's an art and science, everybody, for us. To, talk, to talking ourselves out of stuff, okay? There's an art and a science to talking ourselves into things. And there's a big difference. So we're, we're all about the how, Luke. Okay. Oh, you just made me think of another one. What you got? I can't, I, I got to go to work. Yeah, that, that one's easy. Take I out can't, the got to. I, have to, I have to go yep. do this thing. Yep, that's pressure language. I mean, I catch myself doing that mm -hmm. and I'm like, you entitled shit, Luke. You get to go mm -hmm. do the thing. See, see, but exactly. I'll, I'll catch myself. Exactly. Writing my book is a great example. From one perspective, I can look at that as this impossible task. It's just like, oh my God, how many hundreds of pages and how many pages do I have? I have to go work on my book versus... I could be flipping burgers at McDonald's right now for eight hours a day for $10 an hour. 
that's a have to. I get to go sit in my office on a computer and play with words, right? And it feels much better to think about, wow, what a privilege that I get to do this. The, the thousand percent, and you're completely on track with the, the frequency of, you know, a have to, get to, must, should also, okay? Pressure language, which we now call dramatics, okay? Most people do not enjoy running their day off of pressure and obligation, which is what should creates, okay? I should use my red light more. I should drink more water. I should wait four minutes before I wake up in the morning and start scrolling Instagram. I should call my grandparents. All of that creates pressure and obligations. And then, then the stuff that, you know, a woman, I, I was so enthralled. That's not quite the right word with what this woman said once right before a meeting. I forget what the rest of the meeting was about. She goes, and she just threw it out there. She goes, you know, there's a billion people praying for our problems. And I was like, oh my God. When I thought about it, I was like, no shit. No shit. There are a billion, mine, me, my, Mark England's problems, um, if I wanted to frame them that way. There are, there are a billion people that would pray, that are praying for the, the resources, the connections, the um, opportunities to be able to fly, drive my truck down to Austin and come talk to people like you, okay? Oh, I've got to drive down there. No, I get to drive down there, okay? I got to get that, that email sent out. No, I get to. There, there, there are people with no hands that would pay a million dollars to be able to send an email to who, to, 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 doesn't matter who about anything. They just would just love to type. They would love to type. Let's talk about hormones. They have a massive impact on your physical and even mental health. But when your hormones are low or out of balance, they can make life dull and dry and lead to lethargy, fatigue, and even reduced sex drive. Womp womp. Now, one of the keys to hormonal health is giving your body all of the minerals that go into making the hormones that support energy, drive, and performance. The problem is that between industrial farming, environmental toxins, and declining food quality, it's almost impossible to get enough minerals from diet alone. Enter Beam Minerals, 100% natural, plant-based, and bioavailable. Their tasteless liquid formulas are the easiest way I've found to cover all my bases and make sure I'm ready for action at all times. They provide every essential mineral the body needs, all in a single one-ounce shot, which I happen to take every morning and even sometimes at night. The Beam Minerals have no fillers or preservatives, just the purest fulvic and humic compounds sourced directly from the earth. So if you want to function as nature intended, hit up beamminerals.com and use the code LOOP20 to get 20% off. Oh, and I should also mention that beam minerals are certainly not just for men. Women naturally go through periods of mineral deficiency in response to menstruation, childbirth, and menopause. So symptoms like cramping, sleep issues, and mood swings can actually be signs of mineral depletion. So be you man or woman, if you want to support optimal hormone health, you need the micronutrients in Beam Minerals. Again, visit beamminerals.com and use the code LOOP20. So anyway, I, get, I go off on rants and tangents. You, you bring to mind something I haven't thought about in a long time. Uh, back when I was in a really dark place in my life, 
I forget where I even got this, but I remember it was printed on a piece of printer paper and it said, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you think about it. And it just brought, you know, just because our reality is created by our perception, but in your world, it's not only what we think about, but the reality is created by the way we describe what we think about, right? That's where words come in. We have these thoughts in our mind. We externalize them and communicate them, whether written, verbal, and so on. And it seems to be the real power is not even as much as the way we're thinking about it, but or maybe we um, accentuate or potentiate the way we're thinking about something by the word we use to describe it. So in a situation, oh, I have to I have to drive from Virginia to Austin to do this podcast is a thought that's then, you know, transposed into words. And that is probably a more radical uh, reinforcement of one's perception of driving down here than just having a random thought about it, right? And then you say it to a number of people, you talk on the phone, you're texting about it, you send someone an email, I got to do this thing, I got to do this thing. And now all of a sudden, your reality is a super shitty long drive. That's the same drive that could it's have been... the same drive. It could have been a beautiful drive, just based on some tweaks in perception and the way that one expresses that perception. Oh, yeah, dude. Super cool. And the, the ancients knew this. The ancients knew this. Abracadabra. I did it this weekend in the CrossFit gyms. When I say abracadabra... Hey, everybody, when I say abracadabra, what do you all immediately think of? Say it out loud magic. There's always somebody that goes to Steve Miller band. But it, most people, they, 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 of course, they think magic when they hear abracadabra. And that's not what abracadabra means. Abracadabra is Aramaic, which is an ancient language. And it translates to with my word I create or my, with my word I influence. And they would triangulate it and wear it around their neck to remind them of the power and the mechanism of the spoken word because they knew if they got that wrong, quote unquote, wrong, or if their language was working against them. If, uh, and just to say modern English, if, if they're, um, you know, telling themselves a story about, you know, how their, their, their dad, you know, my dad just, he always talks to me like a child. Okay. They're, that person's getting the victim mentality. They're getting the victim villain mental imagery, period, end of story, because two plus two equals four. The woman in that workshop, he did that to me. When am, when am I going to get the credit that I deserve? Okay. Uh, um, she's always, she's, she's, she's so controlling. She's always controlling me. Okay. He never lets me think for myself. He never lets me think for myself. That, the, there's going to be two people in that picture. Okay. The, the person's spelling and then the other person they're thinking about and they're doing something to them or not doing something for them or and then and then they've got to you got to wait till that person is ready to respect you in the way that you're not respecting yourself um, but you need them to do it so you can feel good about yourself and this is all happening in your imagination and they're not that you won't even see them for a month and and then then and it's stressful to be a victim okay and I understand the political climate quite well we're not talking about victim blaming we're talking about victim mentality explaining. Hey, guess what? There's a game to play. Your words, abracadabra, are powerfully influencing you for better and for worse. And you can use your words different and better to get a better outcome. Because here's what's going to happen. The words that you use, the thoughts that you hear in your head, the sounds that come out of your face, the squiggles that you make 
with, with a pen or with your thumbs, they're going to influence your imagination. They're going to make some pictures. They're going to make some movies. And they're going to create energy. It's going to create energy. Okay? And then, the, and then it influences your, your, your body and your breathing. Okay? There are certain spells that will constrict this thing. There are certain spells that will uh, uh, relax this thing. And if you want to get all Rudolf Steiner about it, since we're here, he, he said any force that seeks to constrict or control is by definition Luciferian. And if the mass, the majority of people that are using the English language, which they are, I've Googled it, I didn't Google it, but this is what I stare at all day long, are using the English language in a certain way where it constricts their imagination. The pictures are up close and scary, okay? And the energy that they're making is dense and heavy and their breath is trapped in their chest and the, the body is tight and rigid. Then by definition, they are under a self-imposed Luciferian spell. And then, then that goes, it's just another way of saying that the English language is a slave language that people enslave themselves with. Okay. And it comes down to, it just simply comes down to education. That's it. This is not, it's not rocket science. There's a fucking lift to it for sure, dude. Cause that pen, that pen can feel like it weighs 600 pounds when it's time to write down the scary words. Okay. And most people's stories of ouch and pain and sting and woe. Okay, don't worry about the government, y'all. Don't worry about them, okay? Go in there and get the stories of when you were mercilessly bullied in middle school. Get those out of your head and written down on paper. And I'm not talking about half sentences and bullet points. I'm talking about conversational writing. Write it in detail. Write it as if you were telling what happened because you actually are. Writing is thinking. That's a quote from Jordan Peterson. Get those words out of your head because there is a huge difference between a story kept in your head and a story written down. There's a huge difference. I'm going to take that you and put in me. There's a huge difference between a story kept in my head and, a, and stories written down. This goes for me, you, you, her, everybody watching. Okay. A story kept in the head swirls. It's seemingly infinite. Where does it start? Where does it stop? There's the worst part again. Ouch. Story kept in the head takes up a tremendous amount of space is extremely disorganized compared to a story once it's written down. And we're going to finish up the should detox here in a second. Play a couple more language games since we're here. Uh, uh, story kept in the head. It is the story's in you. You're still in the story. It's subjective. Okay. And that whole time doesn't apply to the emotional body thing is very real. Okay. And the thing's on repeat. Byron Katie, shout out to one of the goats. Got to spend... Um, Five days with her in Kripalu in 2014. That's but, funny you mentioned her. I was going to ask you about her because that's where I learned she, Byron she, Kitty, yep. the, the work, you know, all the reversals, right? He did that to me. I did that to myself. I did that to him, you know, all that shit. I've been in so many of her workshops and stuff and seen people just pop, explode, just become free <laughs> just from what you're describing, you yeah. know, in, the, in her sort of methodology. Yeah, it's yeah. super cool. That yeah. was life changing for me too. That's where I learned about projections. And, and that's a, um, a very big part of helping people go from inflamed dumpster fire in their head to, um, hmm, let me think about that differently. Um, and, and then, you know, she's big into writing too. Get that story out of your head. Yeah. And once the story is written down, now it's finite. Now it's finite. And let's, 
it, and, and not only is it finite, it's now very organized comparatively. And if you're in a coaching situation or let's say you just want to do this for yourself, now you can look at your words as opposed to, and that, that, that makes your life a whole lot easier when you can observe the words externally as opposed to trying to, to, to and also, by the way, it slows the story down a lot. People write slower than they talk. And it's usually a less emotionally charged experience for someone to write a story down than it is to, in detail than it is to tell it in detail. Okay, and also uh, uh, keep going. Most people will write in more detail than they'll tell the story in detail. And it provides instant objectivity because it's now outside of you, in front of it's you. A, it's not yes. in you and of you. It's this thing out here in your lap that you just wrote. Yeah, it's concrete and external. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's the, the fastest way, the huh. fastest way to slow down a story. We started talking about this earlier. Is to write it down. The fastest way to break a spell is to write it down. Okay, we're we're big on writing. And then, okay, yes, there's some going to be some sting involved with the scary stuff, the abuses, the dog attack, the uh, the divorce, the bullying, the 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 failed business, whatever it is. And, and here's some more truth. Okay, yes, it might likely sting, depending on the severity of it. That's nothing compared to keeping that stuff in your head and bumping up into it for 20, 30, 40 years because it's not like it's in there and it's not doing anything. Go, it is. It's the, our, our experiences, our stories, it's like a spicy Thai dish. Burns going in, smolders while it's in there. And it burns coming out. And if no one understands what I'm talking about, go down to your local Thai restaurant, get that, get that, get that curry Thai hot. And assuming that everything is, and, and when you do go use a squatty potty, and assuming that everything moving according to plans, message me in 48 hours and let me know because now you'll get it. And that's one of the reasons why people, have, uh, they, it's, not, it's not like you can avoid these things. You can try to avoid these things, okay? Because they're in there doing things influencing how we see ourselves. What about in communication with others, definitive words? I, I find it counterproductive to say, you never pick up after yourself. Are you always, uh, you know, um, make me look small in front of other people, whatever, right? In relation, in, especially in intimate relationships, I think this is really common. And those are some of those things that I've tried to weed out of my experience. What can you say about that as it relates to other people, communication, conflict, resolution? Yeah, once the words are out, out of your mouth, <laughs> game on. And so my advice is think about your thinking before you speak. Okay, which is a which is a it's a, it's a creative act, okay, to speak and share words with someone, okay, and uh, you 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 never pick up after yourself, and if you learn about what words light things on fire and and keep them there, you're like, oh wait, whoa, 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 Mark, never always never pick they never pick up after themselves. Well, okay, it's sometimes sometimes. So you go for accuracy. Okay. And, and, and so you, you take care of that in your head before it comes out of your mouth. And then you're like, oh, well, if, well then they, they sometimes do pick up after themselves. And then, and then you can, you can c 
communicate differently from a better position. How about this? How about, because now you can, you can, the whole reticular activating system thing, you buy a new car, you start seeing that new car out all, all over the place. It works for our language too. So uh, they never pick up after themselves. If I say that, then I'm going to, those words are going to affect the lens. It's a lens and it has a search and edit mission. I'm going to block out. I literally won't be able to see any times that they have. It's like that experiment where they did the people dressed in white and the people dressed in black. Invisible gorilla. Is that what it's called? That's exactly what that's called. And then if freaking gorilla runs through and waves at the camera and no one sees it because they're looking for how many times people pass Correct. the ball and whatever. Can... I'm going to find that video and put it in the show notes. By the way, the show notes will be at lukestory.com slash nlifted, E-N-N lifted. And we'll put the interview with Byron Katie and the Dogon interview and links to all your stuff in there. But But tell us about that pattern recognition when we're saying, okay, my husband never does this or you always do that yep. and then we always and never watch out for those then words. we start to see our red volkswagen everywhere yeah for sure um because the the ras the reticular activating system um i highly recommend because everybody's got one i highly recommend researching that um because again it is the lens your language influences it it has a search and edit mission so red volkswagen you buy a red volkswagen and and or how about the Broncos? New Broncos, those are cool, huh? Somebody gets a uh, a new Bronco, and they're going to start seeing new Broncos all over the place. And while they're finding more and more new Broncos, it's called confirmation bias. They're going to be editing out green vans and blue Oldsmobiles because it's not the thing they're looking for. So if someone says, "I've got a couple of stories about this that I share frequently because they're fun and they're relevant and they're quick," he never picks up after himself. I am now searching for all the evidence of him never doing that in my imagination, and I'm simultaneously editing out, editing out any times they have done it. Okay, so now I've, I've created the fire in my head, and I'm about to bring you into it. And so when I know, okay, well, never, yeah, and then I go to sometimes. Well, sometimes, they, some, they sometimes don't pick up that for themselves. Well, they sometimes do. And then, and then if you want to get really considerate about it, um, you wait till they do pick up after themselves and go, I love it when you pick up after yourself. So you catch them doing something right. Great way to teach. These are good parenting tools too. Dude. I'm not a yes. parent yet, but I'm I'm transposing it onto future parenting. A thousand percent. And 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 also because um, you know, uh uh my favorite Einstein quote, he said, he said, intellectuals solve problems, geniuses prevent them. And when I prevent a problem in my head before it comes out of my mouth, and let's just say when it comes to parenting, um, when I'm able to, to craft my words and regulate my rate of speech and keep myself in a more down-regulated state, okay, um, and, ha- you know, and, and speak, speak in affirmations, Okay, how, how many times have you heard parents say, I hate repeating myself? They say it a lot. And you know why that is? Because they're repeating themselves in negations. Don't do that. You can't get up and, and leave the dinner table until you finish your food. Okay? Um, don't talk back to me. So I'm making all the pictures of what I don't want them to do in my head using the words. Those sounds are going in, in their ear, ears over there. They're making the same picture. Now we're making the same pictures of the same thing. And I've, I've pissed myself off first and foremost, 
and my breath is trapped in my chest, which now I can't listen. It's called amygdala hijack. You know, when someone goes into these stress states, their breath gets trapped in the chest, listening skills tank. Okay. And then, and then if you want to keep going, we inherit our parents' breathing patterns. We inherit, inherit our parents' breathing patterns. Okay. So how many times, it's very rare, does a child grow up in a high stress environment? Okay. That's another way of saying everybody's holding their breath. And that, that child comes, it's entrainment. It's entrainment. Okay. How many, how often does that child come out of there cool, calm, and collected and breathing well? No, it's everybody's like, when, when the parents are doing that to themselves in their head and then, you know, thinking and speaking and writing that way in the home, it's going to affect the breathing. It's going to affect the vibe, the energy, and children grow up and take that out the door with them. Wow. That's so true. I observe in people just through pattern recognition from my own life. I can pretty much spot when someone had an abusive or alcoholic parent because they have uh, a hypervigilant nervousness about them. Dude, they're jammed in, yeah. You know, people-pleasing, pathologically accommodating. There's like a certain sort of set of personality traits that are very indicative of a kid who's grown up in that kind of hostile, um, unpredictable environment, which which I did. It's just how I've been working through it over the years. And I'm able to spot it pretty quickly in other people. If you spot it, you got it, right? And I go, oh man, yeah, they have that thing. They're not relaxed. They're not breathing. What do you call it? Deep and your breathing thing? Low and slow. slow. And low. low and slow. Low and yeah. slow. You know, you can just sense that. And also I notice even as adults, we will entrain to kind of the dominant energy between people. If I'm around someone who's an enlightened master, I, I start feeling pretty chill. If I'm around someone who's in that limbic system, freeze up, I have to work much harder to, to be low and slow in my breath and calm myself and kind of set the template for how we're going to interact and the energy between us. It's much more work with someone who's not kind of holding up their side of it, right? Yeah. Now I have to be not dominant in the sense of controlling them, but just controlling my own experience of that person or the dynamic uh, that we're sharing. Most of us that are into health now realize that it's really important that we watch what we're eating and we're drinking, right? But I think a lot of people still don't realize how important it is to be mindful about the things you put on your body, not just in your body. So I'm talking about the lotions, the skincare products, personal care products, etc. That stuff goes right into the pores of your skin and it doesn't have the opportunity to go through your liver and your detox organs to get removed. It goes into your bloodstream. Little random secret here. This is why Jimi Hendrix is said to have put LSD in his headband at Woodstock because it goes right in your skin and he trip balls. Anyway, I digress. My friend Andy, who's been on the show a couple of times, you can go back and listen to episode 18, created this company a few years ago called Alatura Naturals. And Andy, I mean, if I could ever met anyone that's on my level of obsession with quality, he might even have me beat. He is completely obsessed with sourcing the best ingredients. You could literally eat his products. I mean, I, I don't know if you would want to eat some lotion or a clay mask, but you could and it wouldn't hurt you because um, here's the deal. Your skin actually does eat anything that you put on it. That's what I really want you guys to understand. 
So his ingredient decks are just nuts. Uh, my personal favorites are the night cream. I mean, I ration that stuff out like just a tiny little bit every night because I'm so afraid I'm going to run out of it. It's so awesome. The clay mask is face lotion. This is what I use for anti-aging, brighten complexion, detoxification of my skin, removal of blemishes, hydrating the skin like crazy, and making it possible for me to be a beast with sun exposure. I don't know. I think for creeping on 50, my skin looks pretty good. And um, it's definitely largely due to Alatura Naturals products, which you can find at alaturanaturals.com. If you use the code LIFESTYLIST, you're going to save yourself 20% and get free shipping in the U.S. That's alaturanaturals.com, and the code is LIFESTYLIST. It's exact, that was the exact word I was thinking, sharing. You know, we, 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 share, we share space with people. We share energy with people. Obviously sounds, obviously sounds. And people, people, most, most, how many people out there are thinking about how to make their sounds better? The quality of the sounds that come out of my face majorly dictate how things organize and orchestrate themselves in my life. Okay. If I learn to play better sounds, because we were like, you know, the, the, the analogy of, of being a musical instrument, I find is very interesting. You know, you get this thing, it's a, it's an instrument and, um, you know, we're walking around, we're basically walking accordions, <laughs> right? And we're never taught how to play the thing. It's like, okay. It's like somebody being gifted a guitar. Thank you for serenading us on the way of the thing today. I'm, <laughs> I'm, still, do, I'm still talking about it. I'm going to do that every time someone comes over. It was over, amazing. Meet them on the porch like a wandering minstrel. Yeah. Yeah. We walk, we're walking up the driveway and, and, and Luke just opens the door and he's, he's standing up there gloriously playing his his guitar welcoming us i was like i very cool this is a first um two stories about how our words influence our reticular activating system and how it in and and then in turn uh um uh shaped people's lives this woman this woman came in this is a tale of two spells it's a tale of two spells a tale of a constrictive spell and a tale of an expansive spell this woman came in she was very self-aware she sat down she goes i'm struggling in my marriage my husband thinks i'm attractive i refuse to believe him it's causing problems and i know where it's coming from i just don't know what to do about it and i said keep going she told me the story of one Christmas when she was 10 years old and her family goes to grandma's house, park the car, get out, walk in the back door and her aunt is standing right there. And as soon as she gets in the back door, her, her aunt leans down and goes, my, you have a big nose just like me. Exactly. That little girl <clears throat> tensed up because our language influences our, our, our imagination our energy, our, our, feet, our, our physical body, and our breath. Just keep it super simple, okay? And this little girl tightened up, ran in the bathroom. And Luke, what do you think the first thing she looked at when she got in the bathroom was? The beak. The beak. The, her nose, which was no bigger now than it was five seconds ago. But in her imagination, she's got a honker. And her reticular activating system goes, okay, cool. That, it, it, well, she, and then the next thing was, I'm ugly. Okay. And so the reticular activating goes, the system goes, okay, cool. 
uh, since you're ugly, I'm going to go relentlessly point out all your flaws. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to edit out all your, all your, you know, all the nicer things. Dude, you just reminded me of something funny. First time I took acid back when I was, I think, 16, a friend of mine who was also on a lot of acid looked at me and went, dude, your nose is crooked. I said, no, it's not. He goes, go look in the mirror. I go look in the mirror. My nose was bent as shit. Came off the acid the next day, looked in the mirror again, still crooked. <laughs> I just never knew it. And from that moment on, anytime I looked in the mirror, I think, I, I'm, I'm not symmetrical here, man. You know, it, it just, and it stuck. There was no getting that awareness out of my head. And now I still have the same slightly crooked nose, but I just don't care or think about it. But that was a, a, a most, you know, verbatim example of that. Another one was uh, I was playing. Uh, I put a spell on you. Yeah, <laughs> because you're mine. Yeah, exactly. It's like um, another one on. which I have not been able to solve, and maybe you could help me work through this. Years ago, shortly after that uh, period of a lot of acid, um, started playing in bands, and I played in a band with uh, some older people that were much more accomplished and experienced than I was. I was kind of the newbie, so I played bass because it was the easiest thing to learn the fastest. And at some point, I started just we go into the rehearsal room, and you know, typically you walk in a rehearsal room, they'll have a bunch of mics set up. They're thinking there's going to be you know three or four people probably singing. So I play bass. I walk up. Well, there's a mic stand there. I just started kind of ad-libbing some background vocals. You know, I didn't know how to sing harmony, but whatever I was doing, I just thought, wow, this is fun and I'm into it. I'm young and didn't know any better. And the most experienced guy in our band, shout out to my friend, Ron A. I don't know if I'll ever forgive you for this, you bastard. But he was a really great musician. I used to listen to his records when I was in high school, you know? So like he was the band leader. And at some point he said to me, he said he went up, or no, he didn't say he came up and took my mic away. I was like, no more singing. You can't sing. And from that moment until now, I am terrified to sing anything in front of anyone, except on rare occasion, maybe my wife, because I know she loves me unconditionally. That shit never went away. And maybe I was off key. Maybe I'm not a great singer. I don't know. But just that belief put in my head and coming from someone, uh, from my perspective that held some authority uh, because of his, you know, uh, abundance of experience over mine, I never, I never got rid of it. There's thousands of stories like that. Five days before I came down here, our next door neighbor, Jerry, he's what, 78, 77. And he was telling the story of how he was going to be the next Elvis. He would watch Elvis and he's like, man, that's exactly what I'm going to do with my life. And he started singing. And he got in a choir and he started dressing the, the part and all these things. And this went on for you know, a few years. And, um, and then it was the time for the big, big Christmas play. And um, uh, the, the teacher said, Jerry, uh, I need to talk to you. And Jerry was convinced that she was going to ask him to, to, to sing the, you know, the, the, the special parts. He's like, I just knew that was going to happen. And she came over to him and she goes, will you just hum? And he said, I never sang since. He's like, I knew I was going to be Elvis. It's like, I knew it. He goes, and he goes, he goes, I think it took this, the wind out of my sail, which is soft talk. 
the two stories that I just told one of them. And then, and then her husband, my, you've got a big nose just like me. And then, and so I'll tell the other story and then we'll finish up the, the, uh, should detox with the government killing genocides and things. And then we'll just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you, you can see how that would get in the way of things. Your husband, her husband's like, damn, baby, you look good. And she's like, you don't really mean that. Because she, the, the compliment can't get in there, man. The compliment can't get in there because of the search and edit function. Okay. And then, and then, you know, there's the other sides of the coin where someone says something to you once, like, you go do that thing, man. My dad t- told me that. Once upon a time, this was in 2001. This is about a month before we moved over to Thailand. And um, he was in convenience stores for a long time. The, the, um, the stores were, it was, it was a low point. My mom had passed a few years earlier. My sister was making the news, like not the right way. And, um, and we were just, we were out at the farm. I forget what we were talking about. And, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going over to Thailand for a year. And he just looked at me and he goes, you go live your life. And I looked at him and I was like, I didn't say anything, but I was like, okay, okay, I will. It was, it was just, it gave me permission to go do the thing. And I've been doing my thing since, man. Um, 2014, I give a workshop at uh, a place called Gratify. And this guy was setting up a booth right next to it. And he, he comes up afterwards and he goes, man, that was awesome. Uh, I agree with everything you were, you, you were saying, all the stories and things. And I, I was working with somebody and they're like, man, that, that woman had a breakthrough. Uh, um, and, uh, and he goes, you want to hear a cool story about that? Words? And I go, sure. And he goes, uh, when I was 12 years old, my grandfather took me out in the backyard. I forget the guy's name. We'll call him Davey. And he goes, he goes, uh, Davey, life's wild. You're going to get some things right. You're going to get some things wrong. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. There's going to be twists and turns and zigs and zags. Just always remember to err on the side of being a badass motherfucker. And he said, my whole world, when grandpa drops an F-bomb on you like that, my whole world changed in an instant. He said, I took this big breathing, language, words, breathing. He said, I just took this big inhale in. And I, I looked up and I saw myself as capable and confident. And it's just, I, I got this charge. And he goes, man, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes, but you know what? I go after what I want. And then he, the cherry on the icing on the cake was, I like being me. He said, I like being me. And the people that uh, I know that like themselves more than the, like the average, people that actually like themselves, there's the people that go for it. You know, it's the, the, the people that have gotten better at stuff, that have gotten good at things. You know, I, people that develop a skill tend to like themselves more. Okay. People that develop a skill, it's also a way of learning about yourself, tend to find themselves more interesting. Okay. Um, and then also people that just go after the stuff that lights them up, man. Because if you reverse engineer that, people that aren't good at anything, like good at anything, uh, and, and you know, talk themselves out of making moves. How could you like yourself? 
how could you like yourself like that? Like in, like in, 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 in the honest recesses of your mind. I doubt that happens. Okay. And then that dovetails right back to what we're talking about. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a difference. Why do I keep talking myself out of opportunity? And how do I keep talking myself out of opportunity? I want to know the how. And if we keep going with the conversation of the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves, which is our mindset, it comes back to words. What words are we using? And this is where mindset's going. This is where mindset's going. Okay. I love the neuroscience. I love the big picture philosophy stuff. Okay. And the practical rubber meets the road is the words that build the sentences, that build the stories. That's, that's, that's the new frontier. If we want to get a little Star Trek about it. So the government, let's fix these fuckers real quick. The, the, uh, the government. And I, and I mean all of them yeah. throughout history, by the way. Yeah. There's a number one cause of death throughout all of recorded history. Did you know that if you want I mean, to. Think about that. Yeah. They're all genocidal. It's not that we haven't done it right. There is no right because they're based on the premise of a person being bestowed with something special that gives them the ability or right to have authority over another or others, which is fundamentally false. So you, the, you, you can't win. There's not socialism, communism, democracy, all of it historically ends in the suffering, enslavement, and death of mass numbers of people. Do you know Mike Bledsoe? I've heard, heard the name. Yeah, yeah. he's a, a, a he legend. the Barbell the, Shrug yes, guy? Okay, yes, okay. yes, yes. He's here, here, he's here in Austin. Oh, okay. He helped us launch and lifted. Um, uh, uh, we were hanging out with him the other day. Well, not the other day, it was two nights ago. And... Um, and he was talking about anarchy. And he goes, so talk about words in a psyop. When you ask the average person what anarchy means, they're like, you can't have anarchy. It's a, it's a, that's, that's when there's no rules. Nobody has rules. Anarchy means without rulers. Exactly. I like this guy already. <laughs> What's up? You, you guys... No, no people, yeah, that, that word anarchy has, you know, it's like a punk rock connotation, right? Where you just picture roving gangs of, you know, bandits and nobody's in control. And what was it, Mel that, Gibson? But, Mad Max. That's yeah, what people think of Mad Max when exactly. they think of anarchy. No, uh, anarchy is without rulers. There's a, talk about a, just a couple of letters create a completely different mental landscape and emotional landscape. Governments can stop murdering people. Okay, so, so we've got out of the should, and we got to the could, and we got from the could to the can. So let's, that, that, that last part, they can stop murdering people. So if they stop murdering people, if they stopped murdering people, what would they start doing? And this is exact. This is the exact point we're thinking about. Thinking, we're contemplating words. What words do I need to put in there to to create the picture of what I want to see? And they, this is all. This is where all the stuff starts. 
everybody. They would start serving the people. Perfect. Plug it in. Governments can. This is tough to even get out of my mouth. <laughs> I got an answer uh, for that too. That, that, I can't even say it because it's so inconceivable. Governments can start serving people. Breathe in. Good breath. Full out. This is the number one way to socialize an idea, folks. I'll, I'll explain this in a second. Say it again. Governments can start serving people. Full breath in. Full breath out. I don't know why. Third time's a charm. Uh, Governments yeah. can start serving people. Breathe in. Breathe out. What happened when we repped that spell, word, combination of words of great influence, with breath? What happened when we got the breath in there? It um, makes the idea slightly more tangible. That right there, remember Stuart Smalley? Yeah, yeah. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And he got that... The, the grandfather of affirmations. <laughs> yes. And gosh darn it, people like me. And and part of the reason that that skit happened is because affirmations were such a joke, okay? And in a lot of ways, continue to be that. And the number one reason is people's, affirm people's affirmation practice is that their breath is trapped in their chest when they're repeating them. Yeah, so talk about something that is practical, immediately implementable, and, and free and valuable for your audience, anybody that uses affirmations. If you want to, and I'm serious with these numbers, if you want to 100x the potency of your affirmations, read them just a pinch slower, and in between each one, do the full inhale and the full exhale. And what that's going to do, three different ways of saying the same thing. It's going to help you socialize the idea. It's going to help you take it to heart. It's going to help you embody it. And the main complaint people have with their affirmations is, I don't feel it. And the reason they don't feel it is because their breath is trapped in their chest. And they just have this mental exercise. And some genius somewhere says, oh, just do it for 108 days until it sinks into your subconscious mind. You only need seven. You only need seven days with reading it slow and breathing really well. Because here's what will happen after seven days. You're either going to get to matter of fact or you're going to be really close. Consider seeds planted. Because that's what they are. What, are. what are affirmations? These are statements that I want to believe more strongly in in my life. These are words that I want to take root in my mindset, the story that I tell myself, and propagate, and fruit, okay? And without the breath, I don't care how well-crafted the affirmations are. It's like taking, I said this on uh, Cal's podcast yesterday, it's like taking a handful of heirloom organic biodynamic seeds out to Walmart and throwing them in a puddle of oily water on the pavement in the middle of the day, Texas summer, and expecting something to happen. It's not. If your breath, good luck changing your client's mind. So I'm speaking to the coaches out there. If your breath, if their breath is trapped in their chest, it's not going to happen. Someone's breath is trapped in their chest. Again, this is the mechanics of story. Nothing, the stuff that they want to get out isn't getting out. And if their breath is trapped in the chest, there's stuff they want to get in isn't getting in. It's a locked door. 
ask you something. Do you ever struggle with brain fog or sometimes find it hard to focus on a task? Do you ever have trouble recalling names, dates, or where you left things? Well, let's face it, we all get a little brain foggy or forgetful from time to time. And let me tell you, when I hit my 50s, I definitely needed to step up my nootropics game to stay on point. And ever since I first tried this stuff called Collagenius a few years ago, I became obsessed. I immediately felt calm and focused, my mind was clear, and my ability to memorize and recall information went up significantly. No joke. Collagenius comes in a delicious chocolatey powder that you can simply mix with water, smoothie, coffee, just about anything. When I got on Collagenius, it quickly became a non-negotiable ingredient in my morning cup. One scoop transforms my coffee or smoothie into a delicious mood-boosting mocha elixir. The stuff is wild. Every serving of Collagenius contains the equivalent of 1.2 pounds of mushrooms, including lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, and chaga. Now, each of those is a powerhouse in its own right, but together they make a potent blend that actually helps repair your brain. It boosts something called BDNF, which supports improved learning and memory. It also contains cacao and collagen, which provide antioxidants, mood support, improved brain function, and more. To get on board with this stuff, here's what you do. Go to newtopia.com slash lukegenius and use the code luke10. And seriously, if you want to upgrade your mental capacity, Collagenius is a no-brainer. See what I did there? And you can try it risk-free with Newtopia's money-back guarantee. So seriously, what are you waiting for? That's newtopia.com slash lukegenius, N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A. And again, don't forget to use that code Luke10 to save 10%. That's amazing. I'm going to do that with my affirmations. Bro, that's badass. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. It reminds me too of uh, deep experiences with psychedelics and plant medicines. And anyone that's been there knows that when things get crunchy, I'm going to say the best way, it might be the only way in my experience to get through that crunch is in the breath. That is the key to get to the next, it might be a microsecond when things are feeling squirrely. Incrementally, with each second of that inhale and exhale, you find you're able to break through that resistance or discomfort. And, and that might have something to do with why those experiences can be so profoundly transformational and why if you're someone that is mindful of the integration process that they actually stick and you become a different person. It's not just, well, I had this, saw these colors and shapes and was laughing and crying a lot. And now I'm just back to my automated life. I mean, things can change dramatically after a peak, ex you know, it doesn't have to be plant medicines, breath work or therapy or whatever. Right. But I think one of the keys there is that you're breathing into those realizations maybe and just based on what you just said, thinking back that you're, you're locking that realization or understanding or forgiveness or self-love or uh, a tangible experience of God or consciousness, you're locking it into your nervous system. So even when whatever's in your bloodstream wears off, it, it, the effects of it are still there. They're locked in. You ever thought about that in the context of that kind of work? Yes. Yes. Because that's the only way to get through it. Bro, when shit gets that is, gnarly. I, I, I love that word, crunchy. I was like, I've never heard someone talk about psychedelics yeah. 
in with, with you know crunch. you know what I'm saying. There's those there's those moments when you're like exactly uh, something comes into your awareness and you're like oh I don't want to look at this I don't want to deal with this it's too scary it's too much it's getting freaky and then you'll start to contract and if you have a good facilitator and they're around they're gonna what are they gonna do put their hand on your chest they're gonna give you some love some tactile reinforcement and they're gonna say just breathe man take a breath take a breath and you breathe and all of a sudden. You passed a threshold that you didn't think you could get through. And then it's not crunchy. Then you're in it going, okay, this is malleable. I'm in my subconscious. I'm in the quantum and I can get in here and actually rearrange things in a fundamental way that's going to keep them rearranged even after this experience. And this, I mean, this has just happened to me so many times. Likewise, um, I didn't even think to think about talking about this on the, but, um, in 2009, a buddy of mine and I, we co-founded Ibogaine Asia. Oh, wow. And, um, we ran, when I got out, he and his wife continued facilitating. Um, but in, in about a year and a half, we ran somewhere between 50 and 55 treatments. And for people that know what that means, that's that is that is a very crunchy. Things get crunchy there. I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I've not. I've yeah. not had that experience. I've not felt cold, as they say. That, that's probably because that, every time someone talks about iboga or ibogaine, they're like, "Dude, it's the you know, it's the father or whatever, right?" And they describe ayahuasca as the mother. I'm like, ayahuasca is no party in and of itself much of the time. So if that's the mother, and then you have this harsh disciplinary father in. Iboga? I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to sign up for that. It's, it's, and people have asked me, you know, um, or used to ask me, should I do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Are you pulled? Are you called? It's like, if you are cool, if you're not cool, like, whatever. And, and yeah, it was, it was, hey, this thing is going to, the volume is going to get turned up on this thing. Okay. Also known as your things. And all you got to do is breathe. You got to breathe. We're here in the room with you. Okay, and keep breathing. So yeah, that's 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 very important, and also very important. You know, no psychedelics necessary. Um, with affirmation practices, it is a co- bro. It is a completely different world, completely different game. Getting the breath in there in between the affirmations. I'm stoked. That's a, such a great tangible takeaway. What do you think about when it comes to affirmations and goals and and whatnot? The difference between a fear of failure and a fear of success. And I ask that because in my life, when I've expanded into greater expressions of myself, I find myself not wanting to do affirmations and vision boards and things like that because there's something in me that's like, you can barely handle the expansion of your life now. Don't make it expand more, right? It's like this governor on expansion, success, and success by whatever matrix, external, internal, whatever. And I've looked at that within myself and thought, oh, there's some part of me that is feels much safer in plain, small, and therefore limits my possibilities and will actually stop me cold 
And I'm not afraid of failing at the thing that I endeavor to achieve. I'm actually afraid, and this took some, you know, some inner work and awareness to arrive at this understanding, but I'm actually more afraid of achieving my goals than I am not, because it's much safer to not achieve them and, and remain stagnant and safe and not crunchy, to use that word again, right? There's a crunchiness in breaking out of your cocoon and like, ah, oh, the growing pains of like, oh shit, now I have a family and a career and the expectations that are created by expansion and success to me are way scarier than losing something that I have. It's like getting something that I want and then going, oh shit, you got the thing. Now what are you going to do? Can you handle this? What's your take on, on that? Fear of success versus fear of failure. A lot of times it's uh, two sides of the same coin, fear being seen. If we fail, we're seen. If we succeed, we're seen. That's usually what it is. Yeah. And that, that tanks more careers, coaching, music, fashion, MMA. Fear being seen pimp hands more people harder than anything else. Okay. Let's just let's say coaching. The fear being seen tanks more coaching careers than all the other stuff combined. Okay. It's it's not it's not, you know, CRMs that are, you know, kicking people's asses. It's it's that 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 fear of being seen. People will do Cirque du Soleil mental gymnastics to get out of putting themselves in a position of to to potentially um, go do the thing, I mean I'm yeah it's I get it, I totally get it, um, and then I again Doctor Broken Record over here, write the story of the success down, write the story of the success down, write it down conversationally, get the words out of your head, and then here's the magic, it's four stepping, okay, there's four steps hence the title. Get it on paper, write it out, conversationally. Step two, read the damn thing. Step three, read it slow. 30% slower than your normal rate of speech. What happens when someone slows down their rate of speech? I don't know if we've talked about this or not, but it's quick and simple. The breath loosens up. That's a big deal. Because like I said, if the breath is trapped in the chest, the stuff you want out of you isn't coming out. The stuff you want in isn't coming in. And then let's just say it's uh, three paragraphs, four sentences each. So that's 12 sentences. That fourth step, read them and breathe. So you read just like you did with the, the, the government can start serving people. Okay. And you read that story with breath and watch what happens. And, and that, that's how... Um, that's how you socialize a new story, a new, a new, um, we'll just we'll use the word story. When, when, uh, okay, so let's say someone is, they have a uh, fear of success. Well, what does that mean? That means they're not comfortable with the story of the success. Okay. And if they're not comfortable with it, they're going to, again, mental gymnastics to not do it. Okay. And, if you do that exercise with the words, those words on paper and the breath, the story of you being successful, it will become more comfortable in how you feel. And you're just like, oh yeah, okay, cool. I can't handle that actually. You'll see how you can handle it as opposed to seeing how you can't handle it. 
Now, most people are so underwritten, Luke, and I'm not talking about insurance, dude. It's like this, the, the, all, the, 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 the scary words and stories are kept in their head and the exciting words and stories are kept in their head. And it's, none of this stuff is rocket science. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to understand it. Okay? Get your words on paper. Okay? And usually, it's a, it's a, it's a you know, it's clean up the house before you throw the party. Go get the junk out of your head. Okay? The times when you were bullied, the divorce, the abuse, the, the you know, the time you missed the free throw shot to win the state finals and everybody called you dummy, dumb, dumb or whatever it was. Like get all those things out of your head on paper, four-step them, watch what happens. There's going to be a lot of stuff that comes out of you, including, you know, water out of your eyes. Most people, it's very normal. It's good. It's great actually. Uh, um, and then, and then get the words. My driving teacher said when I got in the car, 15 and a half years old, he said, look where you want to go. Cause you're probably going to go there. Get those words, where you want to go, what you can do, what could possibly be possible if, whatever. Get them on paper and, 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 and get the breath in there and watch what happens. Because people aren't, if, if someone, yeah, it's, it's, it's a matter of, it's a scale. Most people are praying for a, a sliver of confidence. If you do, if you do a, good, a good work, amount of work with your story, there's, there's the promised land after confidence is comfort. And this, if you want to knock something out of the park, make it easy on yourself and become comfortable with the story of you doing that before you go do that. Boom. Beautiful. Going back to communication and conflict, conflict resolution or creation, another common habit people have is saying, you make me feel blank. And that one always irks me because I know that no one else can make, and I'm sure I have done it, that's how I know, but yeah, me too. no one can make me feel anyway. I can't make you have a feeling. Like right now, if I'm like, Mark, I am instilling anger in you. Go! Like I literally can't make that happen. But I could say something like, Mark, wow, that's maybe the dumbest shirt I've ever seen. And the meaning that you attribute to what I just said is you're going to make yourself angry if you choose to do so. And if you don't have that awareness, un unpack that of making me feel a way. And this goes into our insane cultural sensitivities now with oh, dude. the languaging. The victim Olympics. It's the victim, victim Olympics. Yeah. Call being offended is. by words. I'm like, going, what are people insane? How can a word, how can a word hurt you? It, you it, hurt yourself yeah. with your interpretation of the word. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's, um, it's not divide and conquer. It's confuse, demoralize, then divide and conquer. And so there is, there is, there's a weaponization. There's a point to the, the insanity driving narrative that people are getting being subjected to and it's heartbreaking i don't, I don't consider myself a, a very um an overly compassionate person in one sense i don't consider myself um um you know mean either and and, and just I'm, I'm i'm pretty pretty in the middle and it breaks my heart that children are getting train wrecked with the transgender conversation right now okay 
because that is that is that is paradox of choice. That thing is weaponized, and it is the it is the it is one of the prongs of uh, breaking the nuclear family. It's called paradox of choice. It's in sales. A confused buyer says no every time. Okay, and if I'm confused about what I am today, and will likely have to make up a new identity tomorrow. Okay, how can anyone else become comfortable and and integrated in that? No, that's 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 damn that's that's about as evil as it gets going after the kids like that. And and then also the another half of that that whole thing is Munchausen by proxy disorder. That's that's when parents will make their children sick in order to get attention. You look that shit up. Um yeah, you right, it's it's like it's a fad. Parents who lack, and then there's atrazine in the water, so it's like it's more than a fad. It's like a, it's a, it's. <laughs> Dude, I. It's funny. I this morning I found a dead frog in our pool, and I was like, my frogs. pool is turning the frogs gay. <laughs> Killing them. Folks, poor wife. Turning freaking frogs gay. Anytime we find a, a you know a dead animal, she gets really sad. I was just gonna throw it in the yard. She's like, "Are you insane? We need to bury it, pray over it." And I love her for that. But yeah, I was just thinking about man, if that's doing that to the frog, and we're swimming in there, we got problems. I got to get the ozone cracking or something. But anyway, I digress. Uh, but yeah, you, it's you, it's like this. Uh, and I, I I know I just opened up something that we could spend thirty minutes on. Yeah, and- I mean, and it's it it it's it's good. We got we got a little bit of time, I think. Um, your but- your question your question was uh, you hurt my feelings. Yeah, those yeah, things. Yeah. Um. Um. Again, at some point in time, if we want an out on a personal level, on a uh, relationship level, on a familial level, on a, commun- a community level, it's an inside job. Okay, 9-11 has got nothing on how much of an inside job our, the, no one's coming to fix my story. Nobody's coming to fix Mark England's story. Okay, that's my business. That's my responsibility. And that's cool because if, if it wasn't, that, then things would be really weird. Um, it comes down to an education about how my words influence me, okay? And um, if I'm uneducated about who is responsible for creating my feelings, then I can fall victim to um, you embarrassed me, okay? Oh, that's another one. Yeah. Why you embarrassed me in front of those people? Yeah. It, it, it's it's exactly so the the alternative is how about becoming me. how about becoming unembarrassable Did that well then and becoming exactly. unoffendable exactly that's 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 the that's the late stage goal and that's to get all that's a worthy about it. goal it is it's so up there man yeah. it's so up there I've made some progress with that oh dude being you know yeah. in my own little microcosm of public uh, you know, figure in in my little world. Uh, I I get criticism from time to time, and I can base how much progress I made on how little or much I get triggered by that of the critiques. Right, and it's like some of them will get me. Now I don't respond. I'm I'm that smart by this time. I don't engage with insanity, but I have noticed over time many of them. I just. I either find it funny and I'll and I'll ask myself, is that true? I go, shit, they're actually right. They're, 
there is some truth to that critique, A, and that's that's like a huge key to freedom. But beyond that, if somebody's being really mean, I really do feel an honest sense of compassion for them. Mm. And then on a bad day, I'm like, I'll show you. I mm-hmm. don't do it, but I'll have a lot of thoughts in my head of what I'm going to say back to them. Mm-hmm. That is just going to cut them down to the chaff, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and I don't do it. But years ago, I was much more easily offended, you know. So it's like I have a benchmark now of what if what if one could live their life and just being completely unoffendable, like no matter what you throw at me, I won't take it personally. That's the the Taoists say it when you cannot be brought up by someone's praise and you cannot be brought down by someone's criticism then you are centered. Right. That's, that's, that's the definition that's great. Of, being, of being centered. Because the other end of it is important too, like not drinking your own Kool-Aid and, and letting things go to your head. You know, the pride cometh before the fall kind of thing, right? Where in other, I heard someone else say it like this, if you take the credit, then you're prone to take the blame. Good one. Very good one. And yeah. what, you're, what you're talking about is psychological and emotional immunity. Oh, cool. Yeah, and so you've developed your story with words, better words, to a degree where your your tolerances, your parameters for being offended are are way less than they used to be. And then you give, you you, um, convince people that they're victims from a very young age. It's like sticking something, some kind of weird substance in someone's arm with a bunch of fucking spike proteins in there. And then their, their immune system is erased. People's psychological and immune systems are being erased. Oh, word. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And that's as real as anything else. Yeah, that's deep. Wow. I'm going to keep working on that. I'm having fun with it. The other day, this guy sent, took, was watch, I guess, watching one of the podcasts, took the time to grab his phone or computer, find my website, go to the contact page, send me an email saying, you know what, I really, I'd like to enjoy your podcast but those stupid ass pants you're wearing make it look like you're having a you're sitting there sipping cacao with your 14 year old girlfriend <laughs> damn was, bro he was really tell us how you really feel he was really pissed about my pants and <laughs> what about your pants bro yeah he's probably not wearing pants. any pants but but that it was it was awesome Mini because skirts. i you know i read it and then i don't mean for a second bristled up you know i was like wow what and then I looked at it. The first thing I did was like, well, does he have a point? I said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a 40, you know, what am I, 53-year-old man? Yeah, I dress ridiculously sometimes. It, it, it is probably hilarious and off-putting, but that's just me. I don't care. I'm not, this isn't like a fashion podcast, you know? <laughs> Doesn't he know about your, your background in the yeah, fashion I mean, industry? I, you know, I should get a little bit of Whoever leeway. Whoever said that, Luke's cooler than you are. I should get a little bit of leeway there. Uh, but, you know... It was a great uh, barometer to test my level of sensitivity and how seriously I'm taking myself. How dare he say that I am, you know? So I've read that and I thought, he's actually really funny. That's great, man. And I got a kick out of it. And I emailed him back and was like, man, you're you're right. I I wear some funny stuff. I said, thanks for, thanks for listening anyway. Um, I recommend if the way I dress bothers you, but you still enjoy the content, then maybe don't just watch the listen, videos yeah. and just listen to the audio and you won't know what I'm wearing. And then, and then he sent me back, you know, a really polite email after that. Well, I'll give it another shot, whatever, you know, we had a great exchange and maybe he's still listening. Maybe he's, maybe you're watching right now, sir. And forgive me for forgetting your name, but 
We had a similar experience. We those are bombs. fun when yeah. those come up and you see like, wow, this is my choice. Like how I'm going to contextualize this feedback. And the power is in my mind and in the discipline I have to how I'm going to frame. Like, okay, someone handed me a picture. How am I going to frame that? How much meaning am I going to assign to it? And that was an easy one because it was such a superficial criticism. It wasn't, I've had worse that hit closer to home or harder to just roll off the back, you know, like the duck rolls water. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are easy than others. If someone really knows how to get in my my wounds that might be still active, it's harder. But um, over time, it gets easier. And, and I love that, you know, would you say psychological immunity? Psychological and emotional immunity. Yeah, that's They're- really great. Imagine if more people in the world and maybe, you know, a few tens of thousands of people that hear this will start to apply that. Imagine a world where people didn't get offended by a tweet and have it ruin their whole day. Dude, it's an allergy. I mean, just look at it like that, everybody. Again, Dr. Simple over here. What words are in your head that you're allergic to? I mean, what's the difference between, let's say I had a cat an, an al- a cat allergy, and a cat comes up and jumps on my lap, and then I start sneezing and got my eyes red and watering, and, and so, you know, cause and effect. What's the difference between that and... Um, every time I think about, you know, when my girlfriend broke up with me in high school at that party and I get emotional about it, what's the difference? Like, I mean, is there much, you know, it's, it's every time I, every time I come in contact with a cat, I have this reaction. Every time I come in contact with the, with a story, that particular story, I have this reaction. Okay. Good news is, is it's easier to take care of a, you know, I mean, some homeopathics and some, you know, magic cubes and things like that. It's easier to take care of a story allergy than than a cat allergy. You get the get the words on paper, get those words out of your head. If 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 you have a repeating thoughts about yourself that um, you're having negative reactions to, yes, the pen's going to be very heavy. You, you might, you might, part of you is, will probably scream, don't write them down. Okay. Because a lot of these stories of a negative context, they want to, uh, uh, they want to stay in their preferred environment, which is in the head, left to their own devices. Now you extract those things and there's going to be some friction. But I'll tell you what that, that is how you, it's like going to the gym. Okay. Confer- Jordan Peterson, confront the dragon, get the gold. That's how you increase your psychological and emotional immunity. You know what else is really fun? You've probably, of course you've had this uh, experience. Somebody says something to you that uh, would have uh, offended you, let's say seven years ago, and they say it to you and you're like, don't even flinch. You're like, yeah, whatever. That's a great check-in. Have you had that experience? Oh, yeah. How, how nice? All, That's what I'm talking time. about. It's, Psych- a, it's the it's payoff. It's the best. It's the payoff, yeah. Or even, even if, if, if it's possible in that situation of using it as grist for the mill, right? Of finding the truth in it. Not only can it not be offensive because you don't choose to be offended by it, but there might be useful information in that even if somebody is coming at you with the intention of hurting you and dragging you down to their emotional level of suffering, 
like in the case of the guy that didn't like my pants, I mean, I'm not going to change my pants. I think they're funny. 14-year-old girlfriend, though, that that was a dig, <laughs> you know? I, whatever. Oh. I don't care. I love cacao. Um, I don't <laughs> think I had no any 14-year-olds, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, he, he was kind of on point. But there's been other critiques that, sure. that's not a great example, but there's been other ones that bristled me a little bit. And I went, oh, hold on. Let me see if there's some truth in there. And they actually were, and they were instrumental in me editing, you know, a way that I talk or behave that's inauthentic or that it, that isn't productive. Like yeah. there there can be actually even when someone is trying to hurt you sometimes the things that really get under your skin get under your skin because there's some truth in them that you don't want to face or look at, right? And that that's exactly. why the dagger gets in because there's a place for it to go. Cuz there's a part of yourself that you're like, ah, "F you." Like if the it, the faster I come back with a defense is probably an indication that there's more truth to it. Yes. And, and where you were breathing when the feedback was given. If someone's breath is trapped in their chest, which most people's are, and they get some feedback that hits a button, they're going to fly off the handle and their reaction is going to be that that's a low side. Someone's breath trapped in their chest. That is a, that is a telltale sign of a, um, a, a lower or depressed psychological, emotional, intellectual immunity. Um, uh, breath, low and slow, that is a, a very good determinant of someone who has developed their story to a degree. Um, and, and, and I, dude, I, dude, I've had some brutal uh, um, pieces of feedback given to me. And over the years, what I've found, and, and then some, you know, some of this is not brutal. Some of it's just like, I've got, I've had all the, the ranges. And, and what I find is when I breathe well, while I'm, you know, experiencing that, I'll get to the gold a lot faster. I'll get to the gold. I'll get to the nuggets. I'll get to the, the, you know, the, the, the truth, why it, why it, um, if there's any applicability to it. And, and, and therein, lies the evolution. Okay, so people talk about revolution. Do they know do they know what they're asking for? Breath trapped in the chest with whether it's one person or a hundred thousand, that's revolution. All the stuff is coming back around again, including the guillotines. Okay. Breath low and slow, that's evolution. That's when things change and move forward. And so if someone wants to have revolutions in their life, I've, I've worked with a woman who said I've had the same relationship with five different men. That's what that was. And she had a story from about her dad who cheated and got kicked out. And, and her mom told her when she was growing up, you can't trust men. You can't trust them. They're dogs. They only want one thing. Don't, worry, don't, don't even try. Even though she went out and of course she wanted to. But she, and, 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 and this, that breath trap, that was a stressful story. Want to have a quality relationship with a man, but I can't because they're all dogs. Right? And, and, and so, you know, story kept in there, words stayed the same, breath trapped in the chest, just the whole thing keeps coming back around again. Unlock the breath and we get evolution. And the goal of Inlifted is to unlock the breath of humanity. I mean, why not take a swing at something? Cool. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I like it. Oh yeah. What about, what about swear words? I, yeah. I, have, I have some friends uh, back in California named uh, Zen and Bunny. And they don't swear, 
and they're not like uh, prudes. They're just ex- more so Zen. And he might hear this. Hey, Zen, if you ever hear this. Uh, and he sent me some book. I forget what it was. Or gave me a physical book, actually, that was about, I don't know, just the negative energy of swear words and stuff. So they don't swear around their kids. Their kids, therefore, don't swear and so on. And I just noticed that about him. And, and at that time, I sweared much more and also on the podcast and got some negative feedback from time to time, mostly from people that want to listen in the car with kids and stuff. Not that people were offended necessarily, but just like, dude, you know, this is great information. I'd love for my kids to hear it, but you swear a lot. Um, so it's something I've thought about. And it, it to me, is not a moral thing, like making a certain sound with my mouth that is the F word. Like, what does that mean? Unless you attach meaning to it. Um, but I have noticed over time that, especially on the podcast, I'm, I'm doing less of that um, as, per the request of some of the listeners. If I can do so while maintaining my authenticity, because frankly, that's the way I talk in real life and I want to be real on the show. But I also have noticed there are some speakers that I really enjoy and respect who I know swear a bit in their personal life, but never do so on stage or in their workshops and things like that. And I've just taken cues from that. There there must be something to that. And so I've taken that cue and done less of it myself. What's your perspective on the impact of swear words? And if if, if it's the sound of them, it's the origin of them, the association, how do, how do those words impact us? Are they right, wrong, good, bad? What's your take? Yeah, it's a personal choice. Uh, I drop F-bombs. Um, and uh, I like to laugh. And I find that when I use a certain amount of spicy words, I, I, I laugh the, the amount that I want to laugh. And, I, and then I st- when I started tracking that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I started paying attention to people who are, I consider to be funny and laugh a lot. And those people swear a lot. There's something, I, there's something there. I don't know what the, the, the... That's about as far as I've taken it because that's as far as I wanted to take it. Um, and, and we had uh, no F-bomb February, no fucks February. Yeah, We did that in our community. And people are like, Every, everybody had a, a, a rubber band and there's every time you drop one just snap 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 and people are like dude my wrist is about to fall off so it's a um, you know it's like going on a fast play your mom said don't play with your food I'm telling you play with your words Who's, they're your words and and so if someone is interested about it same thing with plant medicines if someone's pulled if someone's like oh that's interesting never thought about taking out the four letters so take it out for a month see what happens um and and you know that was one piece of feedback that we got from our podcast it had that same experience with the you know pants and the cacao and the and this woman was like she said the exact same thing great information i wish you all didn't cuss as much or even at all i want to listen to this in my car with the kids and I bristled at first. I was like, just don't listen to it then. And then, and then we had a discussion about it. Okay. A, 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 a constructive, down-regulated discussion about it and played both sides. And then we ended up, you sent her a, an email and she was really appreciative of it. And, and so, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's us. It's not like we take, it's not that we, we're taking our own, our, our own medicine. We're using our own magic. 
which is, you know, uh, uh, pay attention to yourself, okay? <laughs> and know that you're participating in a story. You're telling yourself a story. And oh, I'm bristling up and whoa, 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 wait a minute. What's going on here? What's going on here? What words am I using? And then my mom, she probably, she didn't cuss much at all. And when she did, man, it got mattered. the attention of every, <laughs> si talk about bristling and puckering up. She dropped, she dropped a, you know, an F-bomb and everybody in the house stood at attention and it was not her thing. Um, so it's, it's, well, personal. I find I'm some, cool with it, man. Yeah. I like it. I find, I find sometimes that substitute words just won't suffice when there's a certain sentiment that you're trying to express, a great example is when you talked about the guy's grandfather saying, man, go get a motherfucker or whatever, right? Yep. It's like, how else could you say that without using that word and achieve the impact that it deserves? I don't, I don't think there's another word that you could have used for that. Stub your toe and go, oh, shoot. <laughs> made the point. Stub would, your toe and go, frick. When I hurt myself and I get pissed... <laughs> I, I use the C word, the verboten C word. It's yep. just the word that comes out of my mouth when I'm when I like hurt myself, stub my toe, that kind of thing. I mean, Allison knows uh, doesn't particularly bother her. It's, I'm sure it's not that pleasant, but not because of the meaning she's assigned to that word. It's just like, oh damn, dude. But yeah, that's that's the only word that gets that anger out of me quickly. Hey man, yeah, it's like so. Yeah, I'm not going to be saying a word on the podcast because it's unnecessary and not appropriate. I'm not. I don't. I don't need that word to convey any of the feelings I experience having conversations like the one we're having. So therefore, it's it doesn't fit within the lexicon of what we're doing here on the lifestyleist. But man, that word it'll it's, do it. It's useful in in the, in the right moment. All right, last ones I want to cover with you, and, then, and we'll let you get out of here. Uh, what about? And these are these pernicious words that man i've worked so hard for so many years to eliminate from my vocabulary and i've made some progress but it is difficult to completely eradicate them and that is or are like you know sorta kinda um and uh guess possibly why do people do those like. is it insecurity are people afraid that they will lose their audience's attention if there's a gap in sound because sometimes words words arrive right we're all channeling these thoughts from who knows where and sometimes it takes a moment for the vocal cords to catch up to the mind therefore there will be natural gaps if you're breathing up high and nervous and afraid of how this is my own experience. So you're, so, you're answering the question. He's talking about. I soft hate talk, it when everybody. I do that. I try to. I no, ask, but this is good. This is great. I ask someone. A, I ask someone a question, and then I answer it for them. I, it's, it's the a, gateway drug to the rest. Of your I language. don't like that habit, and I'm sorry to the audience Dude, when I do that. Right. It's probably annoying, but sometimes I'm just working through things. Mm -hmm. So, when you see a speaker on stage, for example, who's a professional speaker and has a confidence in the speech, there delivering they won't say um like you know sort of kind of at all and those are the speakers that really grab your attention and what i notice when i watch really great speakers like that is that 
there are commonly a lot of pauses, pregnant pauses, and they don't lose anyone. In fact, it draws mm-hmm. you in because you're waiting for the next word. And if there's a bunch of ums and likes and you knows and kind ofs in there, it makes them feel amateur and unconfident and therefore lose credence. Yeah, it's called soft talk. Soft talk. You said that word earlier. Yeah. And I wanted to go back to it. All right. So unpack yeah. your version of that. Hopefully, I didn't steal your thunder. No, no. That's my it's, um, And and what what you talked about is a large part of why people use the amount of soft talk that they do, which is soft talk is the gateway drug to the rest of your language. Okay, because it's the easiest out of. Uh, it's just it's it's the easiest thing to address because there's only a handful of words. There's something fun and funny about it. Uh, even though the, the, the effects, uh, chronic effects can be devastating. Um, and, and all you do is pluck the word out. So maybe I should get back in the gym. Okay. And you're like, Oh yeah. Listen, listen to, to Luke and Mark talk about the power of words. Take out the maybe I should get back in the gym. Should. I could get back in the gym. Huh. I can get back in the gym. I can get back into the gym next Monday. Okay. Or it's almost like I'm procrastinating. Take out the almost like I'm procrastinating. So people, people will use soft talk. I, I, I guess I'm drinking too much coffee. Okay. People will use soft talk. Part of what, why people use soft talk is, is to, not have to change anything. Because if I'm guessing about whether I'm drinking too much coffee, if I take out the guess, I'm drinking too much coffee. Now I've got to do something about it. You know, I, I, I think I should probably spend more time with my wife. Okay. If someone is thinking and maybe and guessing about those things, 95% of the time they know they are, and it's easier for them to soft talk around it than solid talk straight into it and, and make some change. So soft talk, and then also, um, people will use soft talk when their breath is trapped in their chest, when they're insecure around other people and fearful that a strong, solid position in something will ruffle feathers, okay? So if someone's got a, like, a, like a big people-pleasing tendency, um, they can use soft talk there, okay? Um, and yeah, if someone uses that, if you, someone uses soft talk for uh, long enough, they'll create, um, indecision. And if they stay there long enough, then they will identify themselves as indecisive. And once someone identifies themselves as something for better and for worse, punctual, indecisive, uh, a, a great communicator, lazy, you get better at the thing. It's odd. It's very odd. Okay. Um, you, you get better at the things you don't want to do. Oh, a thousand percent. You can, get, you can get better at being a flake. If you would, once you identify yourself as a flake, you're, you now just got, it's, it's about 30%. You just, you just got 30% better overnight at being a, a flake. Teddy Atlas said, he says like when someone wins a championship, they identify themselves as a champ. They get 30% better overnight. Yeah. When someone identifies themselves after they've presented enough evidence, also known as repping the thing out, doing the thing that they're consistent. Oh, I'm a consistent person. Okay. They're just, they just got 30% more consistent. It's the power of identity. 
And I'm a non-book recommended person. And The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle is a phenomenal book for that. I've taught on and off. Well, I haven't ta taught within about three years, but I taught on and off with that book for a decade. Yeah. That's badass. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Tell me about the. I, wa I want to let people know how they can further engage with you and uh, doing my research on you. It looks like you have two things going on, Procabulary, which is a great play on words, and Enlifted. And you guys, as you mentioned before, do coaching and stuff like this. Break it down for people that might already have some sort of coaching or speaking business, uh, how you might be able to help them. And I, and I think this is something that I, I want to start highlighting more when people have different training programs. You know, if you're someone listening, we were talking about purpose earlier, and you're in a career or job that doesn't serve you or doesn't, is, is no longer in line, align, <clears throat> sorry, aligned with your values, morals, ethics, interests, passion, whatever. I want to encourage people to learn how to do something else and make a living at it, right? I think a lot of people don't know you could become a health coach or a life coach or a language coach. I mean, there, there are ways to like build your own business. I just said like, God damn it. There are ways to create something that allows you to contribute your gifts and your talents to the world without necessarily having to work for someone else and have a job that, that you don't like. And many people like having a job and they like their job. I personally can't have a job. I hate it. I yeah, I don't do well as an employee. I've tried it and it didn't serve me. Um, but I'm excited to talk to people like you that not only have a body of knowledge, but can actually train people in your methodology so that they can go out and do whatever it is they want to do. So tell us how that all works. And then we also have a, a code for people uh, with your courses, which I'll share in a minute. Yep. So vocabulary was the predecessor of Enlifted. Ah, okay. Yep. Procabulary is, has been retired uh, and all the action is at Enlifted. Noted. Okay. And, I, and, I really like that word though. Dude, I love that word. <laughs> I, like, I love that cool. word. My business partner, when, when, we, when we decided what we were going to call the thing, when we first started the thing in 2015, because there's one of two things we can call it. Because we could call it Procabulary and I go, stop. That's it. I got the hair on, on, on my arms and and it, um, yeah, it, it did exactly what it needed to do. Uh, and, and like I said, the, the action is at and lifted. So we certify coaches and we certify coaches in the art and science. And it's where level one starts of dismantling the victim mentality, because that's where you're going to meet your clients. 99.99% of the time is in the stuck and suck the problems, what they need help with. And very rarely does a, does a, does someone book in for a coach when the, when the sun's out, right? They need some assistance. And when you start scratching the surface of those stories, there are more stories and then other stories of a victim-centric nature. So like I said earlier, clean up the house, then throw the party. So our certifications, level one and level two, we'll just talk about those two. They're both nine weeks long. Um, one thing that sets us apart from other coaching certifications, um, and I'm, I'm also ignorant about what, uh, what else is going on in the, the coaching space to a degree because I'm too busy doing our stuff. And when I've talked to, let's say, Paul Check, we were on his show a couple of weeks ago, we told him how we structure our trainings and some other people that have been in the game for a long time, they look at me like I've got two heads. And here's why. is because all of the classes, so level ones, all of our level ones are capped at 10 people. And 
all of the trainings, all of the class, they're taught live by me. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I deliver all of our trainings. Do you, do you find you get more compliance from the enrollees when it's it's a real live thing? I'm in a writing group right yep. now and it's every Tuesday at 7.30. I don't care what's going on. I'm, I'm not going to miss it. I would be mortified if I missed it. Yep. I, a, I want to be there. B, I feel like it would be embarrassing to not show up just because like, yep. oh, I feel like watching TV or something. If that was an online class, oh, d- honestly, I mean, I'm probably enrolled in three online classes just over the past few years. I've never even logged in. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that, but I just haven't. And that has nothing to do with you. It's just the the nature of the beast. And um, it it, compliance. How how, how about engagement? That's a better word. Yeah, it gets it gets a lot more engagement. Yeah, and um, and we could totally scale this thing, and we're not. You know why? Because we're in the badass coach making business, and that's how badass coaches are made. And, and also because we approach it as such. Okay, fine, it's coaching. We have to, we're talking about transformational wordsmithing here, okay? You're talking about helping people get the scary stories out of their head that have been in there negatively influencing them for God knows how long outside of them and, and, and get the breath in there. And when that happens, I mean, emotions, that is gonna happen. So um, it, it is important for a coach to be confident and competent and skilled and know how to breathe when the the heat gets turned up in the kitchen emotionally speaking and and like i said we're we're in we're in that kind of coach making business and um and also because yeah fine it's coaching that's what we got to call it it's more than that it it is an art it is a craft it is a practice and we approach it as such and we teach it as such and that is unique in the game that is very unique in the game. Um, and also, you know, I'm, I'm, we're on group 40, Q1 of next year, March 2024. We're on group 40, 41, and 42. And I'm only doing the first 100, okay? I'll be done teaching directly in uh, about seven, give or take years, seven, seven and a half years. Um, and I want, to, I want to spend time with the coaches. I want to get to know them. Okay. I want them to, and it's, it's, it's a thousand percent real. I want them to take some of my excitement and enthusiasm and passion for this thing and infuse it into their coaching. And it doesn't work with videos. It doesn't work with 300 people in a certification. I mean, I'm on a rant. It doesn't work with 300 people in a certification with biweekly check-ins and some self-paced uh, quizzes. It's not how you, you create world-class coaches. and so. Yeah, that's um, respect. Yeah, thanks, man. Cool. So, you you guys, we'll put this in the show description, but you can go to enlifted.me and use the code Luke to save 10% off the coaching certification courses or use Luke 100 to save 100 bucks off the self paced course. Does that sound accurate? Yes, that's very accurate. I just read what's in my notes. No, it's great. And I appreciate that. I got one final question for you and you might want to just rapid fire this one so we can get you out of here because we got to take a couple pictures and and yeah. don't let me forget, I want to give you a book okay, uh, to, as a gift, which I, I know you're going to love the shit out of. Okay. See, there was no other way to say you're going to love the shit Did, out of I, How could I emphasize that it? That got me more excited <laughs> about something I was already excited about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my last question is this, who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life and your work? Barry Musgrave was the guy that was running that 
emotional detoxification workshop that I saw in 2003. And he was my first mentor in this work. Um, he still works. He, he's still alive. He's, lives in Athens, takes care of an ashram there. And he, he'll work with one person per day. Um, and, you know, that's been, he's been a very positive force um, in my life. Very well self-made man. Okay. And I got, he, he's, he's mentored Adam Chin and I. He's my business partner. We met him in Thailand. I didn't, I had no idea who he was. Just met him in, you know, he had a uh, shirt and shorts and t-shirt. And he said, you create your own opportunities. This guy's from, from farm boy to self-made, like, yeah. Uh, you create your own opportunities. And just getting to hang around someone that operates at a, at a very high level and watching that, it's, it's, uh, I'll, I'll take part of that part of that with me forever. Um, and then my dad. Yeah, my father. He's like, when he told me, he's like, you go do that thing, man. I was like, all right, I'm going to go do it. And there wasn't, there wasn't, there was no, it wasn't, that's all I needed to hear. Because, and, and, and then I can also bring in Jordan Peterson if I can have four, because that dovetail, does dovetail quite nicely. Well, your dad's my family, dad's so we can count yeah. him as a given. So yeah. I'll afford you the four. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Peterson said, people need such little encouragement. You know, people need such little encouragement. And him giving me that was, was like, okay, I won't need to hear that again. Um, yeah. You reminded me of something my dad used to tell me when I was a kid that I hated and now see the value in. He'd have me do something hard, uh, climb up a mountain on a horse that was scary or whatever. And I said, dad, I can't, I can't. Cause I was kind of a soft California kid brought up by my mom. And I felt like there was a lot of things I couldn't do. And I'd be like, I can't. He goes, there's no such word as can't. God damn it. Can't doesn't exist. He was hardcore. And it used to piss me off. But in hindsight, anything is actually possible. And then I'd try to, you know, intellectually out someone. Well, what if I wanted to jump over the, off the Golden Gate Bridge and survive? You can't do that. <laughs> you know? So I, I beat him on a few occasions. But the general sentiment was, was high value and something that I've carried with me. I think that was instilled in me and my entrepreneur. Like, I'm just going to try this thing even if it sucks and even if I fail, right? It's such a gift when you have a parent that pushes you in that way for sure you know, i think mine was maybe a little harsh about it at times which he would admit but the idea was there right no you can do it you can do it there's no such thing as can't my dad Beautiful. told me i mean i've i've, I've never had a, a corporate job or anything like that um i delivered pizza in, in college um waited tables outside of college raked leaves for the last six months before i went over to to, to Thailand, taught elementary school PE for five years, and then this, that's it. I've never been in a cubicle, dude. That would not, that would, Congratulations. would be a very bad fit. I tried it for a couple of weeks. I had a telemarketing job when I first got sober. Yeah, they locked me in this cubicle, and then you'd have this set of leads they'd feed you every morning, and you couldn't, you couldn't bypass the leads. You know, this, I think we're some like long distance. I was in uh, Koreatown in LA, and, um, yeah, and so they'd uh, 
they give me the leads and they tell me, you, you know, you can't skip them. Even the shitty leads, you, you got to pursue. And I'd be calling, I don't know, gas stations and businesses and like, hey, have you thought about long distance rates, blah, blah, blah. This is in like the late 90s. And I couldn't, I couldn't skip the good leads. So, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't pursue the shitty leads. So I would, I would cherry pick and start calling the good leads. And I didn't know, but they were like watching my computer. They had a camera or something on, you know? And so they called me in the manager's office and said, man, we told you the rules and they fired me on the spot. And that was the very last office job I ever had. You know, man, some people you know, aren't built for it. I'm like, you're setting me up to fail. I, how am I supposed to not cherry pick the higher quality leads here? I'm, I'm trying to get a commission, folks. Yeah, that was the end of it. Yeah. Well, that is the end of that story. And that's the end of this podcast. Dude, thank you so much. This has been a fascinating conversation. And one... My pleasure, uh, Luke with a topic about which I'm really passionate and interested. So I learned a lot and uh, just a pleasure to meet you and share Likewise. your expertise with the audience. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm -hmm.